The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 32. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. Today, we are discussing Chapter 7 of Star Wars The Mandalorian, titled The Reckoning. And joining me on the panel today are, first of all, Thomas Sanjurjo. Hey, Thomas. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Second up this evening, we have Angela Cialana. Hey, Angela. Hello, everyone. And last this evening, we have Mike Creevy. Hey, Mike. Still can't believe I'm on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Hermes is not able to join us tonight, but he will be joining us next time. So this evening, we are going to be talking about Chapter 7 of Star Wars The Mandalorian, The Reckoning. It was released uh, last week on Wednesday before The Rise of Skywalker hit theaters. And listeners, just so that you're aware, we are not going to at all be talking about The Rise of Skywalker in this episode. So feel free to listen without any fear of spoilers. However, if you have not seen Chapter 7 of The Mandalorian, <laughs> go watch that before joining us on the, on the podcast. We're going to spoil that really yeah, well. We're going to ruin that for you. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, this, the title for this one is called uh, The Reckoning, and Disney's summary statement of it is this. An old rival extends an invitation for The Mandalorian to make peace. What would you guys initially think of the episode? I was shook. as the kids say um yeah i literally actually i say that because literally when um we realized that there i mean i figured it out pretty early on that it was going to be a trap and i think kara also you know as they go on she says you know this is a trap right so literally like when mando decides he's going to go in and take this mission or whatever I started shaking, <laughs> like physically. I was yeah. so invested in this episode. It was great. Did you notice that? I, I think. I, oh, sorry. Th- this one. This one's an interesting one because I think that one of the things that we've been sort of hinting at, complaining about the last few episodes is it's too episodic. It's not really tying back into that main uh, storyline, and it built to this moment. Like it really, it, oh, this yeah. moment would not have been as much of an investment if it hadn't been like, oh, okay, when are we finally going to get back to this uh, main plot line? And now we did. And we're like, no, no, wait, don't go back to the main plot line. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing the episodic stuff. That was good. That was fine. <laughs> well, and the end that they, you know, just even the first like three or four minutes, you know, like just step by step with different characters and stuff like, so that's why they did that. Or like, oh, okay. Right. You know, so it, even those, those episodic ones that we didn't necessarily know why they were doing that, you know, uh, it was it was nice to see some of these characters coming back. It sort of was like a, a who's who of the Mandalorian episode. Yeah. You kind of meet all these characters throughout the way. And then, 
you haven't seen him in in multiple episodes and let's bring them all back together. Um so just a, a few general points before we jump fully into the to the recap. Uh this is episode 7, so there's only one one more to go. This was very much uh the only one that I found that felt uh it was it was a setup for a for a sequel. It was a two-parter. <laughs> All the other episodes even though they've sort of tied into each other, this is the first one that's very clearly a, a two-parter uh ending on a on a cliffhanger. The other fun thing about the the production behind the scenes is this episode was also directed by Deborah Chow, who mm-hmm. also directed mm-hmm. Chapter Three, and we finally get to meet the the big bad of the season, the villain Moff Gideon, and I found him interesting uh, to a point. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about him, but I I immediately connected him to Gideon from the Old Testament. I don't know if you made mm-hmm. that connection. Uh, <laughs> he's he's one of the Gideon is one of the famous judges in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, who the judges were basically, they were military leaders in Israel before the kingdom is established under under Saul and King David. So there's a at least a connection from a from a military standpoint that they were both sort of leaders of of military factions. And that may be as far as the, the connection goes. But uh, well, there's no emperor right now. You know, so you mm-hmm. can kind of say mm-hmm. it's like there's no king, you know, in Israel, right. there's no emperor. So we've got, yeah, the the New Republic and the uh, the the fraction of the, the empire sort of as Israelite, the Israelites and the Moabites and the, the various. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so. OK, well, to, and then to just jump into the recap, then uh, we uh, start off this whole episode with. Uh, the Mandalorian getting a transmission from from Grief Karga, inviting him back to Navarro to to take out the client. Uh, he tells the Mandalorian that the the client has increased the ex imperial presence on Navarro and has instituted this tyrannical rule over the city, and it's impeding the guild's activities. So, Grief Karga sees him as an enemy and sees the Mandalorian. Least we assume, and that's kind of what's presented, is that he sees the Mandalorian as a way to come back to Navarro and take out the client, which would be good for both, both involved. The plan is to sort of use the child as bait, kill the client, and that would be, that would give grief and Mando both what they want, and it would lift Mando's need to live in exile. And so Mando receives this transmission and he obviously makes the decision to at least go along with the plan to some degree, but he has to make a few stops before he heads back, which is... Yeah, well, I like, I like that moment too. There's a moment right there where he makes the decision. The decision's not about him. The decision mm-hmm. is clearly not about going back to any kind of life he knew. The, the decision's not about, you know, trying to get back in with the guild or anything like that. He turns around and he looks at the child and he, mm-hmm. that's, that's the decision. He can't keep doing this because it puts the child at risk and that's the real moment where he he decides this it's got to change we got to do something else and you know the little baby yoda who's of course sleeping you know like extra cutely at that at that <laughs> moment because you know and he, he didn't so have innocent. to be you know yeah like they have to have that <laughs> yeah i have to tell you guys we, we keep we, you keep calling him baby yoda and my uh my mother-in-law is so upset about that like my wife went went and they were baking cookies and 
and they they had some cookies in Yoda shape, and uh, someone referenced it as Baby Yoda, and my mother in law was like, "It's not Baby Yoda, it's, it's the child, it's the child." Yes. <laughs> it's the child. <laughs> that's what, yep, that's what the toy is going to be called too. So yeah, so, even, right, right. So, so I decided I'm going to call it Mando's Boy from now on. That's uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there I, you go. I think that there was an interview with with Bob Iger, the yes, uh, CEO I was just going to mention and, that, and and yeah, it's it, he refuses to call him Baby Yoda as well. And, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, he says that John he he did call it Baby Yoda, but then John Favreau slapped his hand, quote unquote, and said, "No, it's not Baby Yoda. It's the child. Yeah. It's the yeah. child." I don't know what we're gonna do when his name is revealed. Even if he is a clone, which you know we, we don't know, and, and all that kind of stuff, there's some hints that may, might suggest otherwise in this episode. No. But um, even if he is, he's not Yoda. So he's 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 somebody else. <laughs> his own life his own experiences so it just reminds me of um and i don't know if this is fair at all but i when i was in high school like my my older brother uh was two years older than me so he made it to, to high school before i did but i was always known by my relationship to him so oh, i was great. i was mini greg in high school and it just drove me nuts so baby yoda yeah, yeah. exactly like <laughs> Our apologies to the child. <laughs> yes. I know what it feels like. I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking of mini me now a little bit too. He's exactly like you in every way, but one eighth your size. <laughs> oh, and if, if, if uh, the child keeps picking up Mando's traits, he's good that he's going to be like a little miniature Mando. Mini Mando. Right. <laughs> Mando's boy. There we go. That's it. Yeah. I like Mando's boy. <laughs> uh, he needs his own little mini set of Beskar armor though. He does. Yes. Oh, it'd be great if so it had like awesome. ear holes and like his ears come out the side. <laughs> <Ears pop> out. <laughs> I'm sure someone's made that already online somewhere. There's a lot of art floating out there. <laughs> yeah. So Mando decides to do this in honor of protecting the child, uh, and he decides to get some help before he heads back to Navarro. And so his first stop is to go to to Sorgan, where Kara. I think I I think we called her Kara last time, but. Uh, her her actual character name is Kara. Uh, he meets up with her, and she's making a living, winning winning money off of fights, which was a really fun scene to watch. And that was a great scene. I love mm -hmm. that fight, like the concept of like being bound together, and then when they started actually like physically interacting with the with the electrical yeah. signal, that yep. was really cool. And it just made sense too because Gina Carano is a former uh, mixed martial artist, mm -hmm. so it just. It felt right. I mean, she's a formal rebel shock trooper, too. So, I mean, OK, within universe, it makes complete sense, too. But mm -hmm. um, and she 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 wins that fight. Did you notice the. Uh, the the species of the the, the guy she was fighting? Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it's, uh, the same as uh, Darth Maul. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's got um, the spikes on his head and everything. Yep. Yep. It's a it's a Zabrak, I think, is the actual right. technical term. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, same species as as Darth Maul. So I very much picked up on that quickly. So and and for anybody that doesn't know, Darth Maul is tattooed. That's why he's got the red right. and black coloring. It, it's actually it, canon is that he's fully tattooed in that color. And so for a Zabrak to be, um, you know, a, a regular skin tone is not anything new. This is something that we've kind of known for a while. So she kicks his butt and he... <laughs> grudgingly gives her the the money for winning and so does all the other other people and mando sits down and offers her offers her the job of coming with him and helping him and she initially refuses 
Did anybody notice the interaction between the child and uh, and Kara there? No. Okay, so so he's sitting at the table. You gotta watch this because it's a great one. He's sitting at the table and he's kind of poking at the cred sticks and like like trying to move him closer <laughs> to himself. And she reaches over and just kind of slides him back into her corner while he's doing that. And it's, it totally passes in the background. But as a dad, like watching it, I'm like, oh, man, you put those things really close to him. Oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> I'm sure as a dad, there was plenty of other uh, oh, when yeah. he's oh, in the yeah. cockpit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like to like in the middle of their like, you know, arrangement or talking about the mission and she just very casually turns as, you know, the Zabrak guy drops off his payment. She's like, come back soon. (laughs) (laughs) She was the comic relief for this. Oh, yeah. So was IG. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But we'll get to him. Uh, So Kara, Kara initially refuses to to help. And uh, what changes her mind is she uh, Mando tells her that the target is an Imperial and not just a, a random local warlord. And Kara being a formal rebel shock trooper is very much uh, interested in, in taking out uh, ex Imperials. So she agrees to help. I love, by the way, that they call them imps. Yes. <laughs> Which yes. is just yeah, a really too. cool kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that was even in like, uh, I don't I don't remember if it was Legends or or some of the books that I've read, but but that was okay. That was not the first time that I've heard imps used. That's pretty fun. Oh, so so complete moment of nerdiness here. We I used to play Star Wars role playing games, yeah, and um, that was a very common term for mm-hmm. any time you were fighting Imperials. It was the imps. So the imps. It, it's it's a natural shorthand when you're when you're talking about the Imperials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then the next scene up is uh, Kara and Mando on the ship. And Mando takes Kara down to to check out all the guns and and we have so we have this Kara asks if Baby Yoda's okay in the cockpit alone. And Mando is apparently not a well seasoned dad quite yet. Yeah, like he's he still doesn't get it. Like <laughs> it's like it's not the first time this sort of thing has happened. Can you see his little head peek down? Like yeah. Uh, are you, can you come get my toy for me? No. Okay. I'll get it myself. <laughs> Which I have to say is the, is like when, when you're watching this with a two year old, uh, because he's been watching it with us and he was like, that was his favorite moment. He was like, Oh, look the baby. <laughs> it's there. It's there. So he knew what exactly what was going on. in that moment. Right there. Uh, and it was funny to just, just see him like grab the, 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 I don't, well, I don't know. It was a throttle, but whatever that lever was. And he was just, he was just having a, a heyday with it. So <laughs> uh so that so then Mando decides to or no, both Mando and Kara decide that someone needs to watch Baby Yoda because this is this is not gonna work if they just kind of let him let him do things on his own. And Kara asks Mando if there's anybody he trusts, and he says yes. And then we see him fly and land on Arvala seven. Which is the the planet that we haven't seen since uh, the first two, first first three episodes of the Mandalorian, where Quill is the the Ugnaught that helped him earlier on in the in the season. And it's at this point that that he Mando Kara meet up with with Quill and Baby Yoda's there, and it's at this point that we have a dialogue or a conversation happening on about Baby Yoda from Quill, who's looking at him. And he makes the comment that he hasn't grown much. And I and I kind of picked up on that because that that seemed to be a very clear indication that a decent amount of time has passed since mm-hmm. he's seen Quill. Um, I don't know how much, but 
a decent, definitely a decent amount. Um, and then we have another sort of interesting comment from Quill, who's looking at Baby Yoda, and he makes a comment that he doesn't think that Baby Yoda is cloned or engineered, and he right. calls him too ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if that was like a meta comment or not, but because at least everybody on this side of the screen thinks Baby Yoda is adorable. <laughs> but um, well, and then he turns around to Kara and says, "Now you, Kara, yeah. about Kara, that Kara does look cloned, and like, like she, so apparently she is to you know of that perfect nature uh, yeah. of a clone." And I thought another interesting interaction here, too, was that um, the, the Mandalorian calls him an Ugnaught. And he says, you know, I have a name, you know. Yeah. But he's been calling the Mandalorian Mandalorian the whole time. <laughs> like, no qualms about that. But he's never been offered a name also. So True. that's kind of Good point. The, the way the Mandalorian deals. And I don't think we actually heard Queel's name mentioned in the earlier episodes. We just had to, no. we picked it up from StarWars.com or something. Right. Um, because I know I was, I was mispronouncing his name too. Right. Um, so yeah, so we get that sort of interesting potential plot. There is, uh, with, with the potential clone, we get a new term in the Star Wars universe. He's, he call, he says that he, they're a strand cast, mm -hmm. which, uh, yeah, Mando says he thinks he's strand cast. And then that's when Quill says, no, I don't think he's engineered. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that just has refers to the DNA strands and that you cast them maybe in a mold or some I don't know. Yeah, I think that's kind of <laughs> all that we might know about that term, but it's definitely a new term. Um and then Yeah. This in my household that was heard as I think he's a cat. And I said, oh, wait, okay, stop. Everybody stop. We need to rewind this. And actually, because I think that's an important thing. <laughs> I'd actually rewind the episode a few bits and like listen to it again. Because, uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, chatter going on at, the, at that moment. I'm like, everybody be quiet. Stop. <laughs> Let's listen to the actual word. Do you watch it with the, the, the captions on? No, but I'm... I, I'm debating trying to. My wife doesn't like to because she gets distracted by the captions. Sure. And I'm like, but but you know, I actually like want to read this stuff so that I can see what they're saying most of the time. Yeah. So I, I end up watching it myself a lot of times with the captions on to try and catch up to everything afterwards. Fair enough. Um, and then we have IG eleven pop his head into the into the dwelling and offer tea. Which was so bizarre to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd stopped hoping that he'd be back. <laughs> but, I mean, he's so prominently featured. Like, when you go on Disney Plus to, like, the main kind of yeah. placard mm -hmm. thing, I mean, he's right there. So, I, you know, I, I was hoping oh, a little bit. I hope he's not done, too. I hope that there's a lot of him in the last episode. I'm really looking mm -hmm. forward to that because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was that was an intense moment. Now, I, I think this is really interesting because um, I am a huge fan of the Blade Runner series. And the, the big central issue in the Blade Runner series is whether or not um, a an engineered object that is engineered to do a single job and do a single job well can do something else mm -hmm. and um, and whether or not it has like its own soul. And, and that mm -hmm. was a really like that's a question we have not asked about the droids in Star Wars. And it's a big deal. It's kind of a, an important mm -hmm. thing. And now we've got that question. That question has actually been introduced, and it's really a central part of this character. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. 
And I wrote, I wrote that quote down because Kuil said, uh, droids are not good or bad. They are not or neutral reflections of those who imprint them. Um, mm -hmm. which of course Mando has some issues with because of his background. We've seen a little bit of, um, but it, it's, I think there's some carryover to the child too. Right. You know, it's like who's, so. who's he, you know, like, and, and again, like, you know, some of the stuff we've seen with, uh, and I, I don't want to ruin it. You were not there yet, but just some of the stuff in this episode, it's like, he's got a power. What's he going to do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, right. who's, who's going to help guide that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, this whole, they spent a lot of time telling the story about how IG 11 was reconstructed. And, um, I think it is going to end up being important. Um, I think just in this episode, it really developed the character of Quill. Um, I think we had already gotten the sense of his like wisdom. Um, but I think just the way that he spoke about, you know, he found it. Um, I don't know what exactly I didn't write down the initial thing that he said, but he recovered it and it was like devoid of any life, I think is what he said, mm -hmm. or sign of life or something. And I thought that was so interesting, like, because in the past, George Lucas always said, like, well, people just think of droids as like toasters, like, you know, except for C-3PO and R2-D2, that's what made them special. And so for Quill to see a droid as something that has some kind of life and that it developed a personality after he, you know, reconstructed it and he was teaching it, um, I just kind of saw him as like this... Even though he doesn't, and we'll get to it, he doesn't know the force exactly. He doesn't seem to have that concept down. But I still see Quill as that wise mentor character that is in touch with the force in some way, even though he cannot verbalize it. Just the way that he, you know, taught Mando how to um, bargain with the Jawas and how to treat the Blurgs. Um, and even later on in the episode, the way that he kind of has everyone be patient. He seems like that type of, you know, character in this series. Well, and there's so many, you know, it's, it's too much to get into now in, in detail, but the, I, I was just, what I'm really curious about is because they spent so much time on that little subplot, um, it's just so amazing because I'm thinking like there's connections to like everything he's describing, you know, and, and rebuilding this droid. There's connections to like Mando and the child. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's connections to Mando himself right. being Very kind much of so. broken down and re like, you know, <laughs> like developing his own personality based on what he's going through. So just, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, like, it's, it's like, well, it's for he's, everybody. He's been you know? imprinted. He's, he's imprinted yeah. into the Mandalorian society. That's, yeah. that's his whole shtick is exactly right. that thing. You know, he, <laughs> he was a child who was found and he had nothing. Yeah. Uh, and he's been reimagined into this thing mm -hmm. that is, uh, this universe spanning kind of religion. But, but that's, but that's, oh yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's um, it's important for his relationship with droids in general as well, mm. because he continues to say that that droids have a nature, that mm. they're built for mm. a purpose and that's their nature. I loved the whole philosophical aspect of this whole thing, uh, because it really gets into that that idea of 
are you who you are by your nature or are you are who you are by nurture, the nature mm-hmm. versus nurture mm-hmm. sort of idea, you know, and I, and I think as, as yeah. Catholics, we would, we would say that there's a, there's a bit of both. Like we are, we are inherently right. by nature made in the image and likeness of God. So we're good, but we also have the element of the environment around us, how we're raised, the, the nurture aspect, uh, you know, often determines you know, how we see the world and, and what we decide to to do and how we act. So so there's a bit of both. And 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 I and I love that 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 dynamic and to kind mm. of play that out. And Mando sees IG-88 as like nature only, like he is a killing machine, yeah. period. Doesn't matter that right. that Queel took his time and, and taught IG-11, um, you know, to 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 be a protocol droid and a, and a serving droid, which was a, another interesting point there. And then that whole, uh, the, 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 the flashbacks with Quill and IG 11, he makes the point that he, t- he tells Mando that he taught IG 11 with patience and affirmation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought that that was really cool because that's, that's, uh, you know, one, one way to, to teach, um, versus mm-hmm. fear. Uh, and so, right. so IG eleven, very likely, I suspect, is is a much nicer droid than he would have been <laughs> otherwise because of that. And and I thought that was a, a cool, a cool thing. Well, to this, show. This, might, this might be a bit of a stretch, but I actually thought of Saint Paul, you know, and like the whole idea because the redemptive aspect here of like he didn't, he wasn't just immediately reintroduced into the community of you know that he had been attacking. Like he has he has to have sort of some time. Off mm-hmm. in the desert, you know, so that idea of like, you know, we catch up with IG-88 already down that path, you know, a little bit, but it's going to take a lot for Mando to trust him. And I've often wondered about like, how long did it take even the apostles, you know, to really trust Paul, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. it's like right. you'd have to like, is this is this just a long you know, a long play here, you know, to really get us like it's just yeah, I love stuff like that to just wonder about, too. Well, I think you've really it touched draws on. In, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You go first. No, it, it it also draws in a lot of the bigger questions of the larger series about destiny, because there's there's this constant concept of destiny in the the Skywalker saga, and uh, you know you're destined to do this. There's a destiny of the of uh, the bringing balance to the Force, and this droid was destined in this particular case to go and kill this. Uh, kill the child uh, now he's been reprogrammed what does that do to his destiny mm. and uh that's that's a really neat question to ask yeah and i was gonna say um i really saw this episode as bringing out this idea of a second chance um ig11 gets a second chance kawil talks about how he bought his freedom and now he's living mm. a free life um kara Obviously, you know, she is she continues to say she has a a life without worry um, and she doesn't want to go back to her past. Um, And then Mando, obviously, his life was saved. Um, And, you know, later on in the episode, we also see Grief Karga get a second chance at life. So it's like this band of people who have this second chance and what are they going to do with it? And part of that whole process is like you were saying, Mike, is that idea of trust. Mm -hmm. It's like if somebody has made mistakes in the past and they go on a different path, are you going to decide to trust them? And that is a key 
element for the Mandalorian in this episode. And I'm always I just love that idea that that we we are not defined by our past. Mm. Um and 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 I forget exactly the 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 quotation here but is it every sinner has a past and every saint has a future? Did I get that right? Other way around. Every every, every saint, saint has a past. Has a past. And oh, yeah. Every sinner yep. has a future. Yep. And yeah. and it's and it's that that whole idea that that okay, we may have made plenty of mistakes, and of course we all have, and we can see it, you know, within the Star Wars universe too. Ig Eleven and and Queel, you know, serving even though it was sort of an indentured slave, he was he was serving the Empire. He refuses to let that be the definition of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ig Eleven. Mm-hmm. You can see the sort of the same thing, and of course he's not seeing it about himself, but he's not the same droid that he was, and and I love that that dynamic because that's just a, a truth of all of us that mm. we're not defined by the past mistakes that we we've made, uh, but we are defined ultimately by the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God, and we're beloved sons and daughters of God, and then we have, um, you know, the the future in front of us. There's also a really big element that I, I we haven't seen play out yet, but I'd love to see. And it was it was very well illustrated, I think, in like a slight moment at the very end when you had the Mandalorian uh, at the, of that T interaction, right, where you have the Mandalorian staring at IG-11. And you remember the person that shot him was the Mandalorian. And so what the droid remembers about mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. is is questionable and, and whether or not even with all of this retraining, is the droid willing to forgive that uh, and and perhaps even look at it as an opportunity to have reset itself? But like, what, what does the droid feel about this? Because now we've introduced this concept of droids having a, a greater soul than just the programming that they've been given. Yeah, I, I know Kowil mentioning that um, there was little left of the neural harness within mm-hmm. IG-11. That really got me thinking, like, okay, there is a little bit in there that's left over. So, you know, maybe the Mandalorian kind of does have good reason. I mean, psychologically, emotionally, he has a good reason to distrust. But, you know, from a factual standpoint, maybe there is a chance, you know, as you're hinting at, that he could, you know, refer back to what he was before. Which is a good... uh reminder for all of us just in general too that you know we can i mean <laughs> uh we even though you know even though we're we're baptized we and are cleansed of of original sin we still ex- um experience the the effects of original sin concupiscence and we could choose to fall back into that old way of of living or or not what's well, and I, I just finished a uh an eschatology course I was doing online uh, through homeschool connections with for 11th and 12th graders and uh, talking about the last things and in the judgment, um, the judgment lesson. Um, and I didn't come up with this phrase. It was from an old course I had that I, that was just, I found it very profound, but the, the phrase was that uh, human beings, it's, uh, I think it was, I think I phrased it, uh, we are as much of, um, or human beings are, it's much, it's uh, human life is what it was. Human life is as much a process of becoming as it is a fact of being. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Father, too, that idea of like, I'm always becoming something I'm not yet. And as long as that's going on, there's hope, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's cool to see that the way this show deals with that, where it's never, no one's ever stagnant. Like everybody's always clearly 
making choices and it's just it's done really really compellingly i think and quill also has this quote a little bit later on where he says no none will be free until the old ways are gone forever mm. and um it kind of harkens to this overall concept as you were saying about how in star wars it's like okay we've got to get rid of the dark side people we've got to get rid of the the empire and then we'll be free but mm. is that ever going to happen? You know, it's like that, that it is philosophical, you know, mm. are, are you only going to be free if your, your oppressor d- does not exist anymore? Or can you exist in a free state while they are still out there? And those, you know, external and internal, you know, <laughs> like right. you get rid of the external threat, but there's still something going on inside, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All because the droid was serving tea. Look at that. (laughs) This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of SQPN, with a special message. The StarQuest Network is fulfilling its mission to explore the intersection of faith and pop culture. And in the past year, we've reached stunning new heights. Our programs are reaching broad new audiences with a message that helps us discern good entertainment, make sense of the world, and share the gospel with others. We continue to launch new shows and bring back great shows. We just relaunched Secrets of Star Wars, which comes at the perfect moment to capture the excitement over the new show, The Mandalorian, and the climax of the new Star Wars movies. The support of our audience is vital to this work and has helped us grow closer to meeting our financial obligations. For that, we are very grateful. But we still need to close the gap. Every new gift extends our deadline. But until we eliminate our deficits, the future of StarQuest and your favorite shows remain in question. This is why it's crucial we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you're already a supporter of StarQuest, we are very grateful and we ask you to prayerfully consider increasing increasing your support at this time. If you are not yet a supporter, please become one now. We urgently need your help and every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? That lets us provide more than 40 hours of professionally produced shows with compelling content. We have special thank you gifts for donors at several giving levels. If you are a business owner or just want to provide a leadership level of support, we now have a special giving level for sponsors, like in public broadcasting. For $500 per month, you or your business can sponsor one of the shows on our network. Listeners will hear a message in every episode thanking you for your sponsorship and giving your website. We'll also have your name and link on the SQPN webpage and in the show notes of every episode during your sponsorship. Whatever level of support you can offer, whether large or small, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas and remember that your gifts are tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. And may God bless you and yours as we approach the celebration of our Lord's birth. Uh, well, so speaking of, of that, uh, at that point after that whole uh, remembrance thing on IG-11 and how uh, Quill brought him back to life and taught him, Mando finally gets down to, to offering him uh, the job. And uh, Quill, basically, he turns him down initially, and uh, but then decides to join him, not for the money, uh, but to protect the child from imperial slavery. And uh, and then he demands that the blurgs are coming along, and we have the I have spoken <laughs> line again. 
then the next scene brings us back to the Razor Crest and Mando and Kara are arm arm wrestling. And that was <laughs> I th- I, first of all, I just thought that whole idea was fun. Like who who is more powerful? <laughs> who has the be- better arm strength? Um and they I don't look think pretty dead even right yeah, there. Right. Yeah. But but Mando's in power armor. Like, <laughs> right. but, like it's he didn't even take off his armor for this. What is going on? <laughs> uh yeah. Uh but maybe Yoda senses or he uh thinks he's sensing that Mando is in danger and uses the force to to start to choke Kara. And Mando quickly realizes what's going on and uh and stops him and tells him Kara's a friend. And uh, uh this is where Quill sees it as well and, and makes the connection that this is the same ability that, that the baby used on the Mudhorn. I loved, I just loved the look on his face because he really gets into it too. You know, he gets that little like frown. <laughs> <laughs> like he look, he looks evil for like a split yeah. second. Well, just, and his, and his, and his, and his, his hands <laughs> like <laughs> grip. Like, yeah, exactly like, like you would. Yeah. Oh, freaky. You know what it actually reminded me of, of all things, it reminded me a little bit of some of those like, um, some of the um uh the gnostic like gospels you know of like the like imagining oh, yeah. like jesus <laughs> as a kid with this like untamed power and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. these 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 texts that are not you know of course approved by the church or they came about later but it's it's still kind of like a funny interesting thing to think about you know uh in this context so i that jumped into my head at one point <laughs> if babies could choke yeah. None of us would be alive nope. today. <laughs> well, and you uh, and you you go back and look at the Jedi way, which the Jedi way was always to take children at very young ages and train right. them in the temple. And and you see why. That's like why. They, gosh, <laughs> you just left them with their parents until they were ten or eleven years old. I mean, wow. I'm, I'm thinking my ten or eleven year old with that kind of power, and I'm like, ah, uh-uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I thought what was interesting about this scene was that we see that. Yeah, baby or the child, I guess, um, is new kind of neutral. Um, mm. is neither like a light side user or a dark side user. Um, and also, I kind of got this sense. And I don't know if maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but right after he does this force choke thing, then um, Kara starts freaking out and she gets angry, and then. She's yelling at Mando and then, you know, Quill makes this comment and she's like, well, that's, is that what you, you know, saw when you, uh, worked for the empire and she, and he's like, I didn't work for them. I was enslaved and blah, blah, blah. And he goes in this whole thing and he gets upset and it's like, so right after the dark side is used in this vicinity like everybody gets angry <laughs> mm-hmm. and afraid and uh you know Quill kind of has a little bit more of a cool head i think but um yeah i just i don't know if i'm am i reading too much into that or do you think that's possibly what happened well that's something like um uh Chirrut said in rogue one you know the intuition mm-hmm. of of you know that that the dark side, you know, and the presence around someone who's about to kill or something like that. Like he, mm. he, I think hinted at something like that, like this sort of yeah. cloud, you know, that, that does affect that area or something too. So yeah, I think there's something mystical there. Well, I think, I think we're starting to see more and more of the, 
the force being accessible to non-force users mm -hmm. uh, in all the in all the Star Wars media. There's a moment in um, uh, the Force Awakens when um, uh, Han kind of reaches over his shoulder and shoots a stormtrooper, and then right. glances over and looks like, "Oh, I didn't real didn't even realize I did that." And you can attribute that to like just you know seasoned veteran of many many rogue situations like this, but also there's some level of him being around so many force users and just kind of naturally falling into that uh, sense of understanding the world around him. And I, and I think that's, we're, we're starting to see more of that. So you see that with Quill, you see that with, with Truett, you see that with, um, with all of these characters that are just enough connected to the force to have that sensitivity to it while they're not necessarily force users themselves. But definitely there's a there's a reaction to that moment. And whether you want to attribute it to just like the nervousness of being around somebody that can do something that nobody else in the room can do and, mm -hmm. and can't do anything to stop. Right. Or uh, or to the actual presence of the dark side. That's it's a really interesting question to ask about how everybody else in the Star Wars universe views the force and the use of the force. Yeah. That's that's a very fascinating question. I was just trying to think that, um, I mean, even uh, I guess from on a, on our perspective, uh, you know, if, if you can be influenced and in how you act by who you hang out with, so like mm -hmm. even on a, on a human level, there there's a there's a similar sort of thing that if you're if you're hanging around someone who is just a super angry person and selfish person, it actually can influence how you start to act and feel and um respond to things and so you know so yeah I, th I think there's there's a very real thing here happening um you know with well the with the, with the spiritual world but then within star wars uh, the force as well um how it's used and force powers that are inherently good or or bad uh the force choking is definitely kind of inherently bad because it's a it's a it's an attack it's a it's a hurtful thing it's meant to to not just protect but do harm mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i think you've got that sort of dynamic happening there and i didn't catch that until you mentioned it angela but that's a that's a really cool way to look at it i'll have to go back and watch it well i think it's really neat too to watch here because if you've been watching the the child throughout the whole series He's been very, very intently focused on mm -hmm. watching the Mandalorian. Like there's always a, a kind of glance back at him and he's watching and he's seeing what the Mandalorian's doing. And you, this is the first point at which we've seen that really play out in his reaction to the world. And so he sees a moment here where he can use violence to solve a problem. And that's kind of the way the Mandalorian's been doing things, right? It's just using violence to solve problems. And without the filter of helping people and of the, the wider scope of what the Mandalorian is about, um, that's what the child is seeing. And that's how the child is reacting. And so when he stops, it's really interesting what he says, because he says, no, 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 hey, hey, stop. She's a friend. Hmm. Not not that's not what we do or not that. But, but no. She's a friend. And so mm -hmm. now, you know, his division of the world is these are my allies. These are my enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's I, I I would really love to see that played up more in the progression of things as they go along. Um, I'm not sure if it's, you know, I don't know how much play we have left in the in the in a new series or something like that. But it would be really interesting to see how he develops as he goes further along the, the character of the Mandalorian uh, into kind of not dividing the world into 
allies and enemies, but into, you know, people that, I don't know, I don't know, into a more like everybody is, everybody has value, everybody's important kind of situation, which seems where he's going. But, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we've talked about a few times the child influencing his mm-hmm. uh, moral progression as well. Um, just a, a quick comment uh, of, an, of the scene that happens next is is Kara and Mando are, are in the cockpit and they're talking and we get a, a little a bit of interesting history with Navarro. Uh, Kara tells Mando she's, that she hasn't ever been to Navarro before, but that sh- that the rebellion lost a lot of forces there and that Navarro was under imperial control until the end of the war. So I don't know if we'll see that played out at all or flashbacks or anything, but Navarro uh, played some role in the, the war between the rebellion and the empire. Um, and then Mando and Kara and Quill and Baby Yoda all land on Navarro. And they meet up with with Grief Karga and who has uh, three other guild bounty hunters present with him. And they immediately we, we just sense that they're they're distrustful of both parties. And uh, Grief tries to to get Kara to stay behind and guard the ship because he thinks that her presence as a former uh, rebel shock trooper will endanger the mission. Um and, quote unquote <laughs> right 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 which mission <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had to the second time i watched it i was like oh i see what you're doing <laughs> yeah um uh grief is introduced to the child finally and uh he has no idea what what baby yoda is and uh does anybody really <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> Um, so they kind of get uh, acquainted with one another, and uh, then they decide to to head towards uh, towards the the city. Um, but they're going to have to camp along the way uh, at nightfall, and then uh, get to the city first thing in the morning. <laughs> Do they I'm even la- live on this planet? Thomas is shaking his head. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Do they even live on this planet? Like, what is going on here? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, once you see what happens next, you're like. Yeah. How yeah. can you camp out? How, yeah, right. You don't, you well, don't know. It's like lava. So, and so I'm, just, I'm trying to justify it. I'm trying so to justify. I'm like, okay, they're going. They're going as off the grid as they possibly can. So they they don't they don't actually know this part of the planet, right? This part of the planet is like really really foreign to them, and that, that's the only way I'm justifying what happens next because what happens next is just absolutely wild. Like what? <laughs> I was surprised by the lava, though. I I did not expect it. Uh, that to be present at all and then yeah what what happens next is they're sitting around the campfire and uh they're attacked by these flying predators it was crazy because grief oh. is like trust me nothing can go wrong and we're <laughs> literally at that moment <laughs> just rips the goats right out of his hands and like what <laughs> well and and they they managed to to get off with two of the blurg and one of the bounty hunters Mm-hmm. And Mando himself almost gets dragged off. Yeah, and, and I mean these things are huge, and yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're putting up with a lot of gunfire too. Like that's that yeah. there is no joke of weaponry between that group of people right there. I had a I had sort of a um um you know like a like a deep reaction to it because I just found myself instantly expecting the Nazgul dragon scream. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm looking around and plug my ears like, no, not again. Not again. Please, no. <laughs> it's like, okay, good. They're not that. 
That's, you know. <laughs> so in Star Wars Legends, there are these characters or these creatures called pterosaurs, and they were actually found on Mandalore. So I think that no. was a direct uh, uh, reference to cool. that. Not to be confused with the great mythosaur. Right. right. <laughs> but we now know why the Mandalorians are so tough. They had dinosaurs on their planet. Yeah, no kidding. Right. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and to add insult to injury, though, with the with these predators is not only did they take off with two blurg and a bounty hunter, but they also have poisonous talons. And yeah. grief is badly injured and uh, the poison is quickly spreading through his body. And uh, there seems to be no hope until. Uh, Baby Yoda approaches grief, which was quite comical initially. (laughs) Well, because grief earlier was he was seeing them or he was seeing Quill feed Baby Yoda pieces of of meat from the whatever they were. Yeah. Yeah. And made the comment that he was a carnivore. And then as he approaches grief, grief is like, he's trying to eat me. (laughs) He's such a baby. It was so funny. (laughs) <laughs> he's gonna eat me uh, but we get I the love him too like and him like you know like you know so this is how I go or this is how it happens yeah. she's like don't be so dramatic <laughs> I was like yeah he's just a big baby <laughs> <laughs> but we get that awesome reveal of the the, the force power uh, that baby Yoda has when he he touches grief and it heals his arm completely and he's he's good to go yeah which is kind of a big deal yeah, and and Quill led that. You know, Quill was the one that was like, like everybody else was like, get him away from this. And then and Quill's like, no, 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 let him, let him go. And so you, you come back to that issue of like the force sensitivity. Like, does he know? Yeah. How much does he know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you know, I, I think anytime you have a mystical force, everybody's going to assume that they can do just about anything. And we haven't been proven wrong in that yet uh, with with the movies. So we'll see. <laughs> you know, we'll see how that goes. But. Um, I I think it's interesting that Quill's the one that's like, no, 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 let him do his thing. Let's see what happens. And it it, it also, Baby Yoda wasn't, uh, it seems like he's grown some since like the attack of the Mudhorn. Right. Because when he, when he stopped the Med- Mudhorn from attacking Mando, it cost him so much energy that he had to like sleep for days. And here mm-hmm. he doesn't pass out at all, but he does kind of get knocked back as he, and sits down and he's obviously a bit exhausted, but um, so he's, he's getting stronger too, as he's growing older. Um, so the, the next morning they all approach the city and grief finally reveals his cards, but not in the way that he originally intended. He shoots the other two bounty hunters that are following, um, uh, Kara and Mando and reveals that the original plan was that they were going to kill Mando, take the kid, uh, to the client. But after his encounter with Baby Yoda and being healed by him, he couldn't go through with it. Um, And then they have this conversation where they decide to continue with the plan because they still need to get rid of the Imperial in order to to be free of all the the hunters going after after Baby Yoda. And they decide it's okay because there's only four stormtroopers. I thought that was just, yeah. Again, like, only more stormtroopers. <laughs> after watching through it the first time, or watching through it one time and then watching it again, it's like, okay, yeah, he's just he's just trying to convince them that it's going to be okay, and he right. he doesn't actually know that there's only going to be four. He's just trying to you know make him <laughs> yeah. make him go through with it. 
Well, no, there are, there are only four though, because remember it was it <laughs> was the four to one odds initially when when the Mandalorian visited him. They said it was four to one odds, and Mandalorian was like, "I like those odds." Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> you know? So so he's he's right ish <laughs> from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Yeah. So they so they come up yeah, with a plan. I do, I, oh, yeah. I, just, I, I, I do love that when she gets on his case, as they keep coming in too you know but that's <laughs> uh so they they uh they agree to come up with this plan where mando is going to act like he's been captured by kara and then grief and kara are going to bring him in um someone online likened that to the uh episode four with uh putting chewbacca in the fake uh restraints on the death star yes. and the same sort of thing plays out in Star Wars, never trust a person in restraints. That's, that's the message here. Especially if they're big and strong. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, it was funny at that point, too, uh, as they're talking, Kara, Kara says explicitly it's a trap as they're referring yeah. to what's probably going to happen. And it wasn't quite as exuberant as Admiral Akbar, but I had that, <laughs> that flashback. Um, they, they do enter the city and there is a lot of stormtroopers there. Um, and they, they meet with the client and his, his dialogue was just super fun. Did, uh, yeah. and the whole setting, the whole setting from, from the moment they enter until they get into the bar and, and we're seeing the way that grief has been knocked down and that the city where mm -hmm. it was once the safe haven for the bounty hunters guild is now definitely imperial mm -hmm. yep. and uh you know like there's even the scout trooper that offers him 20 credits for the <laughs> helmet and it's like that's a beskar helmet <laughs> everybody knows what this is worth there's no way that's gonna happen <laughs> and there's there's some good dialogue that happens uh once they're in the the cantina and they all kind of sit down at that table too uh we get a bit of history and and angela i was wondering if you kind of uh knew more about this but uh uh, the client is referring to the fact that that the empire made every system better that it touched um, mm -hmm. and, you know, says that, well, all that we have out there now is death and chaos. And he asks Mando, why did Mandalore resist our expansion? Um, yeah. And yeah. So we don't actually know in between the in this window between Return of the Jedi and where we are now. We have no idea what has happened to Mandalore. In canon. Okay. So that, that was our first clue. Because I couldn't remember. I'm, I'm sure it was some of that was, was at least touched on in Star Wars Rebels. But mm -hmm. um, I, I need to go back and watch those episodes. And I just, I just keep thinking like the, I don't know, just the terror of the concept of having a conversation with Warner Herzog. You know, or at least in this role. You know, not him personally, yeah. but it's just like, because <laughs> he just, the debt, like the emotionless just never like he doesn't blink you know and he's yeah. just, and everything is in the same just you know may i offer you a libation i'm like okay mm -hmm. dude that's like that's terrifying like you just offer yeah. me a drink and i so i'm just every scene that he's in and it's not many i just i, I love those i love those scenes he's just creepy well, and grief's grief's response to that question was great too he says i'd be obliged like yeah. it's not even like yes i would like a drink or right. no uh, what else am I going to say? Of course, I have to have a drink. <laughs> Responds to the, the the demeanor of the uh, or the the tone of kind of their yeah, you know, the posture. No, it was just a, the yeah. but it, but it could <laughs> be. It, 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 oh, go ahead. I was going to say it could be too, just an an assertive um, 
a power assertion that yeah. his mm-hmm. his language is way more sophisticated than mm-hmm. uh than grief or any of the others um and yeah grief is kind of meeting him meeting him meeting him on that level um but yeah that was kind well, of yeah. and it's in sophistication and again like you know yes the german accent helps but i but i you know can't help but think more of of you know these these nazi kind of connections of just these mm-hmm. guys who are some of the most elite and most educated men on the planet coming up with such unbelievably you know unspeakable evil and not mm-hmm. even batting an eye at it like there's nothing wrong with it at all and they're like cool and calculating and polite you know and it's actually it reminded me a little bit and not quite the same way because he had a little more creepy humor in it but um uh oh, i just lost his name uh christoph waltz's character and in inglorious bastards as well mm. is just yeah. oh, that horrifying like you know you yeah so that's a little bit different but but kind of in the same ballpark for me it's the overwhelming evil of bureaucracy. You know, yeah. that's I've, I think that's always been the empire's strong suit. It's just yeah. it, the the banality of evil. Like yes, it's, it's just a, it's a stateroom. That's incomprehensible. All it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's a direct um, contrast with the whole rest of previous uh, of the episode because you know as we were talking about, this is a group of people who have. Um, accepted their second chance and so they are asserting their own free will um whereas the emp now they're meeting with the empire which is that sign of you know the fist the power that Mm -hmm. is you know he's talking about all every system is improved and peace stability you know he's using these words like (laughs) like it is true peace for people Mm -hmm. to be essentially enslaved and and yeah under mm-hmm. occupation. Um, so then the next uh, couple scenes happen in, in very quick succession. Uh, he wants to see the child and they have that the the, the little pod uh, that Baby Yoda is not in. Uh, forgot to mention earlier that, that they had decided to send Quill back to the ship with Baby Yoda instead of coming into the city with them. So Quill and Baby Yoda are headed back to the ship all during this time. And they kept the the little pod, that floating pod that Baby Yoda was was in. And the client wants to see the baby, and they just tell him that it's sleeping and that they can't open it up. Oh, and that too, he doesn't even change his tone. He's like giving that whole speech, and then he just randomly is in the other, I would like to see the baby. Yeah. You know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> <laughs> creepy. <laughs> to to turn that on its head though uh in a bit of a meta way there's a there's a meme floating out there that it's it's like every time i see an episode of the mandalorian and it shows him and it says i want to see what, the baby what is he <laughs> <to> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, it's, it's true it's true though it's, it's true. the only thing we have in common with him hopefully <laughs> <laughs> So he doesn't actually open the pod, but he gets a call from Moff Gideon, uh, who immediately just orders uh, death troopers to blast the cantina. Which uh, there are five of them. There were five death troopers. Just, <laughs> oh, just, were so, there? Just if anybody's keeping count. Yeah, there were five death troopers. Wow. <laughs> Uh, so I was like, you know, I was like, there's four because Kara, Kara was the whole time. Was like, four. Huh? four huh? <laughs> so there weren't even four death troopers. There were five of them. <laughs> yeah, they um, shoot all their own people. 
yeah. you know, just yeah. like hmm, whatever, yep. you know. Because <laughs> yeah, the, the the client we we still don't even know his name, but he is now out, dead and out for the count. Um, Death Troopers uh, were also seen in Rogue One. That was kind of a, a fun connection mm-hmm. to Rogue One. Um, and they they trap Kara and Mando and grief in in the cantina and mando immediately calls quill on the comlink and we all are shaking our heads we know we, we you know that that's a bad idea they because they he calls uh quill and tells him to to get on the ship and bail and uh the the scout troopers overhear that or intercept the transmission and get on their speeder bikes and immediately head out after him which again call back to to Return of the Jedi, the the scout troopers mm-hmm. in the on the forest moon of Endor and chasing after Luke and Leia. Um, and uh, Moff Gideon comes out, and uh, he, we have the first landing of a Tie Fighter that makes oh, yeah. any sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. I was like, do they all the do that? I've never wings. seen that before. I was like, Hey, yeah, no, they know they all land yeah. on their solar panels. Yep. Like the solar panels <laughs> land on the ground, and the guy gets no. And this one, like the wings folded. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, there. That's what I was expecting right there. <laughs> yeah, so we we get his his grand introduction. Um, he is the one who who wants Baby Yoda, and uh, he still continues to imply that there's more going on with Baby Yoda than even maybe we know. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, he refer he says he says it means more to me than you'll ever know. Um, and and you feel like he's talking to us right before the when he says you know you may think you know you know such and such mm-hmm. but you don't right. or you don't yeah. have any idea. I'm like it's like he's tell- telling us that it sounds really personal too, which right. I thought was really because you know mm-hmm. these guys are all about the empire, but right. this sounds like a very personal issue yeah. for him. So like the way it's phrased is very much this is his desire, not the empire's desire as a as a whole and i don't know if i was reading too much into this or not but he refers to the child as it not as Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i and i think initially what that would do to someone is if you refer to it not by he or she is you're impersonalizing uh the 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 baby and Mm -hmm. i think that that implies his his notions or his desire for the baby is not of course noble right he wants to right. use Baby Yoda rather than uh, <laughs> see him as the adorable baby and uh, <laughs> that he is. Um, so we have the scout troopers chase down Quill and they pick up Baby Yoda and Quill is seen apparently shot and left for dead. Mm-hmm. Looks like there's but smoke the razor coming crest off was of his open. body. The razor mm-hmm. crest was open? The razor crest was yeah, open. Yeah, the ramp was down. The ramp was down. So I'm that this is where I'm saying IG eleven mm-hmm. was true. You saw this happen. True. He has so, he didn't make an appearance once they landed. Um and cut to black, and that's that's the cliffhanger. Let's just hope in the future IG eleven's not so uh, quick to activate self destruct mode when things go all right, <laughs> which is still one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> like three times stop it Uh, (laughs) yeah um a random fun thing about this episode uh that uh i wanted to point out to you guys was um the the more than four stormtroopers that were in the city um apparently the the production needed more stormtroopers 
So they actually got the 501st oh, uh, fan costume oh, club. Nice. Oh, to, that's fantastic. So if you if you go to the the 501st on Instagram, their official Instagram page, there nice. is a picture of all of them lined up uh, <laughs> uh, for for that for that scene. And that that's such a huge like I'm really curious about that. I made a note of it because I really it hit me when they all start getting off that transport. Like they are not dirty and run down right. and like those guys like every one of them it's like they're sharp new polished brand new equipment like it just or men, well maintained so because we hadn't seen that yet everything up till now is like it's remnant and, and like he said it mm-hmm. a few times like grief carga very confident you know like well you know as soon as the the leader's gone like they'll all scatter and it's like apparently not like this right <laughs> whoever these guys are uh there's more here than meets the eye yeah. Any random final thoughts from you guys? I am wondering if it was if it was Moff Gideon at the end of episode five, but I guess that maybe doesn't matter all that much yet. I'm still thinking it was him when um, uh, Fennec was, was shot. Say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't look, but I heard some people say that there weren't any quote unquote spurs on Moff Gideon's boots. Mm. So who knows? We still don't have that answer. And will we get an answer with only one more, one more episode? Ugh, so many loose ends to tie up. <laughs> Do we know? Did they say when season two will come out? I don't think I haven't we've heard gotten any I know they're filming it, but. Yep. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised yep. if it's next fall, but I. Well, they'll give us, they'll give us Clone Wars to keep us busy for a while pretty soon. Oh, they, yeah, they've <laughs> well, got a ton mm-hmm. of stuff. There's a ton of stuff coming to Disney Plus in the next yeah. few months, so. And do we know when the the Obi One uh, show is I coming? Think, Spring? I think that's twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, they're they're getting it's, ready to film that, and it's okay. going to be. Mm-hmm. I think he said six one hour episodes for that. Okay. But I, I'm I'm loving Deborah Chow, yeah. you know. So I'm yeah. I'm really I'm yeah. hope, I'm hopeful. And have they confirmed? No, like, been, is Ludwig Göransson doing music for the other ones too, or just this? Because he's awesome. I think he was just this one. I think this one was okay. this one was the only one he slated for. But I would I would love to see okay. him back. Absolutely, yeah, I, I love think it. He, he hit the tone for this whole series. Absolutely yeah. dead on. Mm-hmm. And every single every single uh, theme that he's got too. So you know you've got the you've got the child's theme. You've got the Mandalorian's theme. You've got the overarching kind mm-hmm. of uh, Western feel to it. And then there's this the light Imperial uh, intonations that are left into it. everything. Just mm-hmm. really feels right for a small screen setting yeah but still in the star wars universe so he he did a really good job cool well that's it from us what'd you guys think of episode seven of the mandalorian uh definitely be sure to email us or comment on our facebook or twitter page and let us know what you guys thought and you can of course email us any feedback at star wars at sqpn.com and you can find starquest on facebook at facebook.com slash starquest media and on Twitter at SQPN. And we'd like to take a moment now and thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including Ronald S., Austin T., Christopher K., Janelyn M., and Angie T. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all your support. Uh, Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we do here at StarQuest. And if you would like to join them, you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, definitely be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
You can also find us on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars, please visit sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back next week when we will be discussing our first thoughts and impressions to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So we're going to do Chapter 8 of The Mandalorian the week after that. So be sure to, if you haven't watched uh, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, be sure to watch that before listening to us next week. Um, because we're going to be talking full spoilers and our thoughts and impressions of the movie, and more than likely, once it is released on streaming, we'll get into a in we'll get into a deeper in depth review at that point down the road. So until then, uh, Thomas Sanjurjo, thank you so much for joining us and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It was absolutely my pleasure. Angela Cialana, thanks for joining us tonight as well. Thank you. May the force be with you all. <laughs> and with your spirit. And with your spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us. Love every minute of it. Thanks so much, Father. Once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>